Good morning. It's good to see you all. I'm glad you're here today. I talked to some people yesterday. Said they were going to try to come today, so I pray they will. But uh, we had a good service yesterday at Marty's funeral service. Thank the Lord for the opportunity to be there. If you would this morning, though, in our Sunday school, I'd like for us to look at Second Timothy chapter 3. So turn over there with me, please. Second Timothy chapter 3. Just like to read a little bit, beginning in verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despises those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses, and lead captivity to the women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast heard, or learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, unto all good works. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to be in this place for your people to be able to study thy word together. And how much the word of God means to us today, we can't even describe in words. But we love your book. And we pray, dear God, that we can encourage everybody that's listening and to just today that understand it's the word of God that does the work. Not anything we see and do besides the word of God, but it's the word of God. Bless us, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm amazed how many uh, people think that you can do the word of God, work of God, 
without the Word of God. Uh, some try to replace it with music. They try to replace it with good deeds. They try to replace it with everything in the world except the Word of God itself. Now I want you to watch. I wrote down several years ago, I love to read behind great men. And I want to read you some things that great men have said about the Bible. Abraham Lincoln said, But for this book, we could not know right from wrong. I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. Ulysses S. Grant, Ulysses S. Grant said, The Bible is the anchor of our liberties. Dwight D. Eisenhower, in the highest sense, the Bible is to us the unique respiratory of eternal spiritual truth. Kashek said the Bible is the voice of the Holy Spirit. George Washington said it is impossible to govern the world without the Bible. The writer Charles Dickens said in his it is the best book that ever was or ever will be in the world. Horace Greeley said it is impossible to mentally or socially enslave a Bible-reading people. Robert E. Lee said the Bible is a book in comparison with which all others in my eyes are of minor importance and in which in all my perplexities and distresses has never failed to give me light and strength. That's just what some great men have said about the Bible. What gets me is we're living in a, uh, seems like the, everybody wants to call it about a modern day era of history. And they want to leave out the Bible. Now, here's something to take note of. History shows many famous Bible haters later became Bible lovers. But history never records any Bible lovers who ever became a Bible hater. History also shows that no evil, murderous dictator such as Castro or Hitler ever loved or was a friend of the Bible. History also shows that no good and wise leader was ever a hater or disrespectful of the Bible. The Bible likens itself to a mirror. Man who know, uh, will know God uh, as a mirror. That's the first sermon or first lesson, I mean, that I ever taught in the Bible to little boys. It's James chapter 1, verse 23 and 25. Where the Bible is like a mirror. When you get up in the morning, you look in it and you get yourself right to go outside and meet the world. That's what the Bible is. You read the Bible, you get ready to face the world. Uh, it's, it's likened as a seed, growth, as water for cleansing, as a lamp to walk by, as a sword to cut out sin as gold and silver, purifying words, as milk, growing power, meat, teaching power, bread, sustaining power, honey, strength, given sweet to the taste, 
a hammer. You can tear down or build up. It's like a little fire, and you must tell it to somebody. It's judging. Now notice with me very quickly some things that is taught to you in First Timothy chapter three, uh, or Second Timothy chapter three, about the Bible. Number one, who's the author? Verse sixteen says God is the author. Look at it, please. Chapter three, verse sixteen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So God is the author of the Bible. Uh, Paul tells us that God uses His Word to do four things when we read it. Verse 16, again, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now notice that number one, the Bible is profitable for doctrine. That simply means if you're going truly going to find out anything about God Himself, you're going to have to come to the Bible. The Bible is the only source of knowledge of God. In other words, if you want to know why you're here, why you were born, where is God now, how can you go where God is, uh, how can you live forever and ever and never die, if you want to know all about hell, all about heaven, you must go to the Bible. It's the only source to get that knowledge from. Again, in this verse it says the Bible is profitable for reproof, verse 16. That simply means the Bible is a source of convicting us of our wrong kind of living. Our conscience won't do it. Mom and Dad won't do it. Only the Bible will make you know your sin. Every time I read the Bible, just read it, sit down and read it, it convicts me of what I've done wrong this day. The Bible is proper for correction. Verse 16 again. That is, not only will the Bible teach you and convict you of what is wrong, but the Bible is the only true way of knowing what is right and holy before God. Either man's heart is evil. The Bible says so. He sure can't trust his heart then to do right. So you got to go to the Bible. Verse 16 says again, the Bible is proper for instruction in righteousness. That is, the Bible is the only way a sinful man can learn how to become righteous before a holy God. I not, not have known sin except the Bible had told me that the Ten Commandments uh, tells us what we're sinners. You can't believe how many people want to come to a preacher or some man and say, Preacher, is this right? Is this wrong? Should I do this or should I do that? If you read the Bible, it'll tell you. Amen? Now, because of these four truths, as taught in verse 16, the Bible absolutely demands soul authority over all other sources in our life. I preached a funeral some time ago in another church with a man, and he was a Baptist preacher. And I, I went there and... He said, uh, I tell you, this is going to be the service, okay, preacher? I was just there to help. I was not supposed to uh, preach necessarily, but I was just going to help him in the service at his church. But I knew the one that had died, and they wanted me to have part in the service. And I went there, and he got a little book. And anybody can get them in the library. It's, uh, it's a preacher's little manual, how to conduct a funeral, how to conduct a wedding, how to conduct... 
and it gives you all these correct things to do. I got one when I was a young preacher, and I wanted to know how to do these things. I threw that thing away because I, I can't keep up with that mess. I, I just I am what I am. And so, uh, but this guy got up there and he put in this little black book and he read off some things and went and sat down and said, okay, preacher, uh, go ahead. I got up with the Bible and preached. And uh, the thing about it to me is uh, a little book don't take the place of the Word of God. Now, it might contain some of the Word of God, but it's not the Bible. Now, uh, so no other authority demands soul authority over all other sources in our lives as does the Bible does, such as human reason. Never mind what you or I think. Uh, Uncle John or Aunt Martha or whatever says, it's what thus saith the Lord. When Elisha told Naaman to jump in the river Jordan seven times to heal his leprosy, and this is what normal people reply. Naaman said in Second Kings 5 verse 11, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. It's not a matter what you think. It's what thus saith the Lord. And the Lord said to go jump in the river seven times and come up. That's what you got to do. But Naaman was not healed until he obeyed God's word. Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 7, through 7. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lead not in thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thy own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. So human reason won't work. It's the word of God that does the work. The church, all through the New Testament, Christ is declared to be the head of the church. Jesus gave birth to the church. The church did not give birth to the Christ. The earthly church is not to be looked to for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, or instruction in righteousness. You better look to the Christ of the church. No organization can help you in these things. Only God's Word can. In the book of Revelation, the Word of God rebukes the church at Ephesus, Pergamos, Tatara, Sardis, and Laodicea. You know why? Because they were not teaching and preaching God's Word the Bible. And God said He would spew them out of His mouth. So here's what I'm trying to say about the church. I love the church, the body of believers. But there is no organization has authority to tell you what is right and wrong over the Bible. Uh, popes are preachers. The Bible absolutely demands sole authority over any human being. Even Pope John or Paul or Henry or any rest of them, Brother Roloff, and I, I was got thinking about these great old men that I reverence so much, Dr. Harold Siler, Tom Wallace, and I say any other preacher. It's the Word of God that stands alone as the last authority 
over anything. I love to read behind, I love to study behind these great preachers and pastors. But they're not the last authority. The Word of God is. Feelings are experiences. Some say, I feel it. Or I felt it. I felt led. I'm waiting on a feeling. You can't trust your feelings or experiences. David said in Psalms 27 verse 13, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, here's what I'm saying. If you want to know what to do about your soul or about how to live in this world, you're going to have to go to the Bible and study the Word of God and you can know what to do and how to live in this crooked and perverse world. And that's what's wrong with the world now if we're leaving the Bible out of everything. It's amazing to me how many people try to replace the Bible with music or replace the Bible just philosophy. Uh, just uh, get up and start talking about anything in the world without the Bible. And it's amazing to me how many preachers standing in pulpits won't even read the Scriptures. Or when they're talking to somebody trying to help them in life's matters, they don't use the Word of God. Here's something I know. I got some ideas about things. But my ideas won't help you necessarily. But I know something will. If I can give you God's Word and God's Word on any matter in your life, God says something, brother, you can depend on it and you can change your life. You can do what God says. You can be a better person. You can live a good long life. You trust in the Word of God and obey it. And so what I'm trying to say this morning, it's very important. It, 2 Timothy chapter 3 plainly tells that the Word of God is given to us for instruction in righteousness. It's also given us to, to correct us in how to live, how to treat one another, how to get along in this world. And it's our instruction book. And I don't, if I want to know anything about anything, I go to the Bible and look it up and find it. I love the Bible and I don't want to leave it out of our services. Amen. No matter what, let's pray. Father, would you bless the coming hour, Lord? We're excited about it. We ask you to bless each one who comes today in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you very much.